Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire. Helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, if you're looking for a great place to help manage your salespeople's sales flow, as well as manage what they have going on as far as deals, check out heyarrow.com and see what Arrow's products look like for your dealership. I am uh, always gracious to have Chip Nellinger on here from Blue Reef Agri Marketing. And Chip comes on um, a couple times a week to talk about what's going on in the marketplace. It's been a little bit since we had a chance to talk. Chip's out running around talking to customers and making things happen. So, Chip, how you been, man? Hey, doing well, Casey. It has been busy. We've seen a nice uh, nice little rally in the corn and the wheat market here. So it's uh, provided some opportunities to really make some profitable sales in here. You know, and with the yields we're uh, blessed with this year uh, on the corn side, still looking at uh, great profitability in here. Uh, on uh, corn on this latest push north of uh, 580. So we've been taking advantage of these sales, uh, you know, offering 12, 1300 plus dollars uh, an acre gross on the corn side for a lot of people. Still haven't really been able to put a bean rally together that uh, is is decent enough to, you know, want to reward. But uh, we've got some good things happening here uh, in, in the short run. Export sales were pretty good today. And uh, ethanol demand's been very strong for corn. So there's some good things happening here, and, and uh, at least the corn and the wheat market have been responsive to the upside in here. Right on. Uh, I spent a little time talking about crop mix. I think, you know, you, you and I both aren't, you know, we've talked about this a million times, but that March acreage report or the perspective, perspective acreage report that comes out is always kind of just a whatever thing, and it, it rarely is it right. And But this year, I think. With the prices of fertilizer that we see right now, um, do you feel like, I, mean, I guess, how, how do you think corn's going to play into that? I mean, to me, I, I see corn getting pushed further. Into, I mean, unless the price gets like 7 bucks or something like that, then obviously more corn acres are going to get planted. But at the current pace that we're headed right now, it looks like to me there could be a lot more wheat and soybean acres get planted than, than corn acres. Um, and it's still some acres from corn going into 22. Yeah, I, I think it depends on where you're at. You, you don't typically see big shifts in acreage in the I states. They come from kind of the, the extremities from uh, the heart of that Corn Belt, up in the northern plains, the Dakotas and parts of Minnesota, and then down south. With, with that being said, given where inputs are at, you've got December 22 corn futures. Uh, the last trade I'm showing here is 549. 
Uh, that's on the futures. You take a basis off of that, and it is not profitable. You've got uh, production costs uh, $1,100-ish an acre right now. I've got producers that uh, are in the I-States that uh, are considering, uh, in, in some cases, growing all beans next year. And so if that kind of discussion, I don't know that that will for sure happen, but there has been a little bit of a shift because of nitrogen and fertilizer costs. But if you go outside of the the heart of the Corn Belt, corn is probably last on the list. And, you know, you've got spring wheat that's at multi-year highs. You've got cotton at multi-year highs. You've got canola at all-time highs. Uh, uh, you know, uh, sunflowers are, are in that canola mix. They're yeah. uh, at uh, at multi-year highs. And oats, all-time highs. You've got uh, corn in, in those northern uh, plains areas that's probably on uh, the bottom of the list as far as crop rotation right now. And I think as you get in the south, cotton's going to have uh, a lot of consideration as well as soybeans. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, we haven't even really begun – um, fighting that acreage battle out yet in the market because we're still trying to figure out, you know, what's the November crop report going to say? What's demand doing? What's China right. doing? Yep. Once you get uh, into like that December, January timeframe, the market's going to get way more focused on on acreage. But I would not be shocked to start seeing some estimates out five, six, seven million less corn acres. It would not shock me. Um, you won't know till the June thirtieth report. But uh, how this thing plays out is going to be uh, really interesting into uh, into winter, and then at the same time we've got you know Brazil in the discussion too because they've uh, basically the fastest planting pace uh, that they've had in close to history. They're fifty plus percent planted. There's there's talk that they're planted so early in some areas they'll have beans by late December. And so, uh, you know, they're on track for a massive crop unless they have a major hiccup from uh, from Mother Nature in here. All right. All right, so that's my next thing I was going to talk to you about was what's going on in South America. So like you just talked about, record pace for planting. You, had, you know, record bushels or record number of acres getting planted into soybeans. It looks like everything's kind of tracking the way it should be. But then you bounce over to Argentina, and they're still fighting a lot of uh, drought in, in some key areas down there. So I guess as you, as you look at South America and you start kind of putting those puzzle pieces together, what's that mean for um, – the, the soybean, I mean, because then it kind of goes back to our previous conversation. You start looking at yeah, this big amount of huge amount of soybeans coming out of Argentina and Brazil, um, and then you throw that on top of the soybean acres that might get planted here in the U.S. All of a sudden, even though commodity prices or fertilizer prices are high, corn might have to slip back in there just because of you know we're going to see a big big sh- shoot up in prices based on the, the amount of soybeans on the market. So I guess looking at the soybean mix down south. Um, I guess I guess how you how you talking about that with your customers right now? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think Argentina is kind of the the key to this thing. They have been awful dry. It's a La Nina year, which means they could uh, trend dry all growing season for them. They have been getting some better rains, so I don't think it's quite as critical. I think they're going to be able to get stuff planted, but um, you know past that into winter is going to be really key. And, and that could be something that throws a little bit of a monkey wrench uh, in the in the works here. If they get 
on the dry side, especially, uh, you know, in the main part of their growing season, you know, into kind of like December, January timeframe. Uh, to your point on, on the acreage mix here, it is a ratio, right? It doesn't yeah. have to mean that December corn uh, goes screaming higher. It, it could mean that beans go lower. That's how you could fix that ratio, too, uh, unfortunately. So you have to be on uh, the lookout for that. But, um, you know, what it means to me is there's still going to be a lot of volatility, right? And, you know, you got the South American weather situation. You've got the acreage mix here. Demand's really, really good, especially on corn. Uh, with all the, uh, you know, worrying about China's not buying beans and our exports uh, on beans aren't, aren't going to be, uh, you know, uh, up to speed. As of this morning's export sales report, we have caught right back up to the pace we need on beans. Now, we got a long way to go. That doesn't mean we fall back behind. We're 11% ahead on corn. We caught back up to the pace uh, right where we need to be to hit the USDA projection on beans as of this morning's export sales. So, you know, with all the worrying going on, you can argue that demand right now is still pretty good. We've had two back-to-back massive ethanol grind weeks uh, with crude oil even with a big correction yesterday, still north of $80 a barrel. So there's just, you know, enough uncertainty out here that we're likely going to continue to see a lot of price volatility. And and with that, that's not easy to, you know, gut through when you see, you know, beans up 20 one day, down 20 the next. But it means there's likely going to be some opportunities here. We just have to have a plan and be ready to, you know, take advantage of things uh, when we're given the opportunity. And that's the hardest part of this. It's not, you know, will we have opportunity? It's what are we going to do with that opportunity when it comes? Because it might not be there for very long. Yep. So here's one kind of throw a monkey wrench into things a little bit. Trying to sign the largest uh, liquid natural gas deal uh, with a U.S. firm in their history, but they're they are they signed a twenty year deal to buy four million metric tons of of liquefied natural gas over the next twenty years. Okay, so that's a that's kind of a big deal. When you look at the the natural gas situation that we're in right now, and the inability to get that natural gas to market, and then you know, worldwide, not just in the U.S. I mean, you know, we're struggling a little bit here, not as bad as Europe and other places around the world. What do you think that's going to do to the overall fertilizer picture? Now that you see this, that's a big that's a big number of liquefied natural gas going going to China. It's a big number uh, for sure, and and it just goes to show the the energy uh, situation uh, that we're in. Uh, so I'm a little bit uh, maybe pessimistic, um, uh, maybe questioning. Uh, China is still trying to uh, kind of hit some of the numbers they agreed to on their phase one trade agreement. Uh, there's no question they need uh, a natural gas and some of their energy products. They're as short as anyone uh, in the world. Uh, big push, you know, to go green, although going green, uh, really all that means is to me, we're, we're not ready to go green and we're going to, you know, kind of fall into some energy shortages uh, in different uh, parts of the world uh, like we already are in. So that twenty-year deal to me, to you know, just be brutally honest, maybe that's uh, maybe that's a one-year deal, maybe that's a twenty-year deal. But it, the, the the case in point here is that they are taking it right now. Um, that's good from our standpoint, but it just goes to show you 
how short the world is of energy right now. You know, we've yeah. gone away from coal, we've gone away from nuclear. Um, you know, the EPA has been slow to try to implement, uh, you know, some renewable uh, fuels in the United States. Um, you know, because they're in the back pocket of the of the oil companies, and so. You know, I think it's good news. I think it's a sign that uh, we're short, uh, you know, of, of energy and, and fuels across the world. And it doesn't bode well for, um, you know, maybe nitrogen and fertilizer costs. Uh, you know, China's clamped down on what they're exporting. Uh, Russia now is going to put uh, uh, export taxes on uh, some of their nitrogen and fertilizer. And, uh, you know, here we are um, with our fertilizer and nitrogen costs going up almost on a daily basis to, you know, what's uh, easily into all-time highs. So it's a, it's a real, real problem, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. What's the acreage mix going to be? Um, you know, how's it going to affect, uh, you know, corn and, 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 and to a lesser extent, wheat? Uh, you know, multi-year, eight, nine, ten-year highs in, in wheat, but yet, you know, wheat's not as high in nitrogen uh, and fertilizer user as, as corn, but it's it's up there, and uh, so it just is a uh, uh, another interesting piece of this puzzle that uh, just seems like it uh, they change the pieces of us, uh, you know, on a on a daily basis in this thing. Yep. All right, last thing. I don't even know. This is these. This is so convoluted. I don't know if you could even make this stuff up, but. All this week, I've been reading articles about China and overproduction in the pork market, and and their all of the measures that they took for the African swine fever when it came to you know backyard breeders and, and raiser of, of you know one or two or three or five pig type of thing, how that was supposed to be wiped out have have come back in and said, well, that's why we have an oversupply now, and and basically they were hinting to the fact that pretty much expect us to have another African swine fever breakout sometime in February, basically. Um, I read three articles that said that, where you could pretty much just say, well, we're not saying that we have a problem, but if we were to have a problem, it'd be in February. Um, I guess, what do you what do you take from that? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on on that whole, that whole situation? Well, <laughs> it, it, I think you can almost disregard um, what, China says. I mean, I think the world pretty much has them figured out that uh, they're going to put out uh, what they want to put out to try to steer prices in the direction they want it to go. Uh, I'm a big believer of, uh, you know, (laughs) look what I'm doing, not what I'm saying. And uh, this morning's export sales, China's in for 16,000 tons of U.S. pork. They've never really stopped buying our pork. And so um, I think that's key right there. So, A, have they built that herd up back to the levels that, um, you know, they said they did pre-ASF? I don't know. Just look at what they're doing, not what they're saying. And they haven't backed off very much on buying U.S. pork at a time they say, oh, everything's great. We got, uh, we got an oversupply of pork in here. So, you know, something's kind of divergent uh, in that. And... Um, you know, they've also said the same thing. Well, uh, you know, our, our citizens should, you know, stock up on things so there's no shortage in the winter. Right. And, and then it's like, well, no, nah, no, no, we've got plenty of stuff out here. We didn't want to panic anyone. It, <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, I just don't say <laughs> yeah. anything. You know, yeah. just don't say anything at all because yeah. nobody believes anything that you say anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be hard 
Um, and that's why you just you just don't know. You, you got to watch what they're buying and and the quantities and just almost disregard what they're saying because uh, they're gonna they're gonna lie to you. They're yeah. gonna lie to your face and shake your hand while they're doing it. Yep. It's kind of like. Uh it's not cold outside, but you better get a coat, a heavy coat, a real heavy one, but it's not that cold, you know, type of thing. It's just, just these articles I'm reading are just like, you know, watch what the left hand's doing and don't pay attention to the right hand. I'm just, it's, and it's, you can, it's, it's so blatantly obvious, you know what I mean? It's yes. Like you can't, like you can't make it, like you can't make it more obvious than what it is. It's just... The, like, yeah, and the rest, the rest of the world's learning from them. You oh, know, yeah. Russia's now now doing the same thing. It's like, oh no, our our wheat crop is uh, is is really a good wheat crop, and you know, at the same time, they're putting Raising exports export on taxes. The, yeah, yeah you know. export taxes. They're not exporting any. Yeah, yeah. Like, but no, we got plenty of wheat yeah. though. We got plenty of wheat. Everything's good. Nothing to see here. Keep moving on. But yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's, the, so the rest of the yeah. world's taking the uh, you know the playbook from China. So yeah. Uh, I don't know what that means. It's not good, though. I know that. No, it's not. It's really not. All right, Chip. With uh, all the stuff going on here, if you're working on a plan, how's the best way to get a hold of you and the guys over at Blue Reef Agri Marketing? Well, Casey, the best way is just give us a call right at the office. It's uh, 309-550-7213. Love to chat with you. A lot of moving parts. And, uh, you know, it's critically important to have a plan and execute on that plan because uh, profitability can be there, but it's it's going to be fleeting, especially into the you know, 2022 crop year here. Right on. Well, I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to movingironllc.com for all the latest information about the Moving Iron Podcast, as well as the Moving Iron Summit, which information should be out on that here directly. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's go do some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here Moving on